Good morning, good morning, River City family. If you're online, we're so glad that you're tuning in with us online. If you're in person, it's really good to see your face. I'm loving this weather. It's like not too hot. It's enjoyable for right now, and we have probably another five days before it becomes unbearable, so enjoy it. (laughs) Um, If you are with us in person, I invite you to stand as we read our lectionary this morning. If you are online, I would actually also invite you to stand. It kind of just helps bring our body to attention of what we're doing and what we're here for. We're here in the presence of God and we're here to exalt his name and to stop all other parts of our life and to try and set our hearts on the Lord. So if you will read with me in your hearts as I read aloud Psalm 133. Behold how, God, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. If you will pray with me. God, I thank you that you are here with us this morning. I thank you that you are in every home, in every room, in every apartment, and in this place right here. I thank you that because you sent your spirit after you died and rose again and ascended into heaven, it means that we can all actually worship together at the same time in unison. Because of your spirit, we get to exalt your name this morning in unity, all in agreement that it is your name that is above every other name. And so we pray this morning that your name would be lifted higher, that your name would be exalted, and that we would choose to set aside all preconceived notions, that we would choose to set aside the things that we sometimes make, number one. We lay them at the altar and we say, you are the thing that we gather around. You are the one reason we choose to worship together. And that is all that matters. So would you come? Would your presence rain down in our midst? And may your, would your name be exalted? May praise be on our lips, starting today and throughout the rest of this week. It is in your name we pray. Amen. As we go into prayers of the people, having just been singing about God's goodness, I ask that you hold the tension as we pray for very tragic things around the world, where God's goodness is still present and needing to be declared in very dark spaces. I invite you to sit in that tension because we're in the middle of the story. And we just celebrated Easter and we are in Easter tide. And so we know what is going to come. We know who is coming again, but we're still in the middle, which means darkness still feels present and death is still around us. And so as we go into prayers of the people, don't run from that tension. Sit in the tension, enter into the darkness as Jesus did. And then he conquered it and he declared life. May we be a people through prayers of the people and in our daily life that we enter into the darkness and in the grief of others. And may we know that we get to declare life and hope because it isn't the end of the story. And so we pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. We pray for the Ethiopian Christians who are being forced out of their homes of worship by other extremist groups homes being burned down. There's persecution for believers in Ethiopia and Rwanda, truly all over the world where worship and gathering is not an option. And so we enter into the sorrow and the hard and the grief as our brothers and sisters in Christ try to find a place to worship And God, we pray that you would lift them up, 
that you would lift up their weary souls, that you would give them a perseverance and an ability to keep going, that you would put protection over them, that you would provide a safe place for them to gather and to lift your name up. Would you love them extravagantly and overwhelmingly so? And may we never stop praying that the hearts of darkness would turn to you in the light of your kingdom. May we never stop praying and believing that it is they are not too dark that the light of the kingdom cannot overtake them. Grab hold of their hearts. Grab hold of their hearts that they may know the love of their father. May your goodness never stop chasing them just as it never stops chasing us. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for Indonesia where floods and landslides have killed over 150 people and left thousands homeless. We pray for Taiwan as it has one of the deadliest train crashes in decades. North Korea on the brink of famine. Four UN peacekeepers were killed and 34 wounded in Mali. There is so much death and so much destruction. God, would you bring peace where there isn't peace? Would you bring hope where there just seems to be darkness? Would you mobilize the global church to be present in the suffering around the world? May we be your hands and your feet, declaring and bringing hope, the hope of Easter. We pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. We pray for Russell Duffy as he was shot playing football, caught in the crossfires. We thank you that he survived, and we just pray for his family. We pray for him as he recovers physically, emotionally, mentally. Would you provide him the trauma support that he needs and for his family that they will need? May you show up in his hospital room and show up in his house that he would know that you are with him in the darkest of days. We pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray for Stephen Boggs as he heads into surgery on Friday. And we just wanna say, first of all, thank you for what you have already done in his life. Thank you for hearing our cries and our prayers and for intervening. Thank you for his healing and his protection. We thank you that he needs a surgery that is going to help him heal further. Would you bring him a peace that surpasses all understanding? Will he know that you are with him, that you're gonna be with him in the hospital room? He's gonna, you're gonna be with the surgeons who are working on him. You're going to be with him in recovery. And would you just enter into his hospital room and protect and fight against any plans of the enemy? We stand with Stephen, we stand with the bogs. They are not alone. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And we pray for River City as we begin to enter into conversations about what, is there, what does this look like with our lease in this building. You have brought us here up until this point, but we, may we not be so presumptuous that we know what might be next. So if there is something else, or if there is more for us here, God, would you be very clear would you open every door of favor and grace that we are to walk through and close every door that is not from you? Give us an ear to hear and the boldness to walk in obedience to what we hear from you. Advocate for us in every conversation that we are a part of and not a part of. That you may place us wherever we will be most loving and effective for your kingdom. We hold it all open-handed before you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. How's everybody doing? And Tramika's in the house. Just got to throw that out there. What? <laughs> All right. This is Presentation Sunday, it appears. And thankful for welcome to the table. And just want you to know that there'll be another one of those coming in the next few months. For those who need to jump in or want to jump in, it's a great way. 
Number two, we've been seeking God and praying for the last three months about the next season of Wise Council, which operates like our governing board or our elders. And so before I present to you the new ones that were voted in by the body, the Wise Council and the staff, I want to say thank you to a few people who have been on that for the last few years. So if you would stand to your feet, Alex. Alita. Leslie. So. We're very thankful they deposited, they deposit so much. And so I'm, I'm, we're going to pray at the end for the next round, and I want you guys to help me pray into them. We get, we're excited we get to announce to you our newest ones, which um, all went great. A long week of praying through conversations, seeking God about this has actually been even longer than three months. And so I want to present to you the newest collection of people. Um, some of the most beautiful people on the planet. You'll notice that as they walk up. That'll be shockingly strange how attractive all of them are. We'll start with Jonathan Godby if you'll come up. <laughs> and Tramika. So, so these two are actually continued on. Um, kind of the idea we have is at least one year and up to three years and then roll off, which is why some have rolled off. These have been serving faithfully for a season, and we are blessed to have them. And so now we get to add some new ones. So Nancy Rodriguez, would you come up, please? Marcus McRae from the back. Julie Stokes. Paul Lim. Would you, would one of y'all come over here? Okay. That's good. So we're going to pray a prayer of blessing, but before we do that, I just want to give you guys an opportunity to share um, basically your test scores from college and <laughs> just kidding, just a little bit about yourself, um, maybe just a little bit about who you are. Man, straight A's in college, except for a C in accounting. That's why I married an accountant. So yes. bring it on. Uh, man, I've got two kids, one kid that leads worship, one kid that's at home, but she will be here next week. Um, man, uh, I'm passionate about serving. I'm passionate about connecting people to service. I'm passionate about people, like, seeing them and figuring out what they love to do and then connecting them into whatever that happens to be. Uh, had a little fear about stepping onto this council because my work life is crazy. Uh, and God just kept affirming, affirming, affirming. When I talked to Josh Friday night, the three things that I was like, I'm a no, I'm a no. He literally, he was like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this and this. And I was like, man, I'm an absolute <laughs> yes. So thanks for letting me serve. Awesome. Thank you, Julie. Um, so just trying to follow her pattern. That's a good, so I have three kids, one who goes here and serves. <laughs> And then a son who is a pastor in North Carolina and a daughter who has two, three children in Woodstock. <laughs> and um, I did well in accounting. That was my first career. So, <laughs> um, But now I serve as a counselor. So my passion is more to help people to grow in their relationship with the Lord, to let the Lord meet them in all of the broken, hurting places that just naturally happen in life and let him come and minister to them so that they can walk passionately in pursuit of relationship with him. And I look forward to seeing what God wants to do through this wise counsel and getting to know everyone here and know you all better and celebrate what God's going to do. Amen. Thanks, Nancy. So I'm Marcus. I have uh, one wife in the back somewhere um, and a child that is probably screaming in one of the children's rooms uh, back there. Uh, despite what it might look like, I do not rob banks for a living, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I work as a consultant during the week and uh, have been here for, what, five years? I think we actually sat at the same, uh, same welcome to the table session. So it's, uh, it's a privilege to get the opportunity to serve. Thanks, Marcus. Um, good morning, everyone. I've been at River City probably 
about five years or so too. Um, I have the privilege to have served on staff as well, and that has been one of the most rewarding experiences when I've been serving with Jesus. Um, I'm passionate about pointing and turning people back to the Lord, um, and that's why I love being on Wise Council because it's an opportunity to continue the vision of River City, but also point people back to Jesus. Um, I'm a professor at Georgia State. I have white markets. I have one wife. Um, she's not here. I have one daughter, too. Uh, one of them woke up sick in the middle of the night, and I pretended to be asleep, so I didn't have to do anything about it. Um, so that's it. I'm not sure how to do this. <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul M. Uh, I, too, have one wife. Angie, my better half, is sitting right there. Uh, no children that I'm aware of. Um, I, I am a, I'm a trainer and executive coach by trade, um, but this has really been an answer to a prayer that I've had ever since I started coming to River City, which was about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. is how do I get involved, how do I get plugged in? Um, I'm an introvert by nature, uh, so... If you and I and I'm also really horrible with names, so if I don't remember your name, I ask for forgiveness in advance. But that's it. All right, so I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over them. And so, um, previous wise council, if you wouldn't mind, kind of gathering around. We can't have everybody come and gather around just because of the nature of what we're doing. We usually would have everyone come up and lay hands on, but we want to pray, and we ask you guys to pray as well, that they step into the role without feeling like they have to do more than they should, but to do what God's calling them to do. And that works well as the body does what the body's called to do. But if the body doesn't, and then it becomes really a burnout session, and we don't want that. So we're going to pray blessing, and we're going to pray. I do want to share with you, I get a specific sense that God is leading us into a deeper connection through spiritual formation and discipleship, and that our church is going to become more of a place or a hub for that kind of thing. And so I strategically sense that God has brought the right people for that season. And so I feel like it's a massive invitation. Um, And so I want to pray that we would uh, walk lovingly and listening as we shepherd And so just reach your hands toward maybe your favorite one or two. (laughs) Or maybe actually the one you dislike the most. That's probably what you want to... I'm just kidding. Jesus, we ask you to bless the next season of River City. Pour into the ones that have already served. Refill them, renew them, give them a freshness. But also while these individuals step in, let it be a time of growth. Not a burden. Even though leadership is burdensome. We pray that we would walk at your speed and your pace and that we would know our roles and be in our lanes and that we would lead lovingly and shepherd carefully and that we would be stewards of this body. Pray that you would bless all their families and everything about it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My original goal was today to not, to not speak more than five or six minutes. I'm starting to realize that when... I desire that. It never happens. I'm not going to keep you forever, but I, I felt like this week as I prepared, there were some things that I just needed to step into and that I was excited to step into. So I'm going to do that today, okay? Is that okay with everybody? So it's not going to be forever, but it's going to be good. One of the things I want to start with is it's really good to celebrate. So, so last week I experienced a level of um, what I would say God's transforming power through people, Um, I saw it creatively surface through the prayer week and the Stations of the Cross. I saw it through relationships. I definitely saw it at our Easter service, which is always hard for me to do a service outside. It's just a lot of moving pieces. I'm a pretty organized person. And so, but God was still really good in it. And especially when it got time for the baptisms, seeing um, people experience what it is to kind of step from that old to the new life. And I really sensed for the, maybe for the first time in our baptisms, that that was uh, pretty, pretty apparent. Like it was noticeable that this was an experience people were happening. I, I take note of that. I take note of all of the work that went into making last week possible, all of the work in terms of the camera stuff outside and setting up the space and prayer week and the stations and all those who helped, all of these things, Mariah and all the stuff that she did. The, the mag- Did you guys see the magazine she created for last week? If you haven't, there's a few extra. It's worth Right? It's worth taking a peek at. It's just travels through Holy Week. But I, I sense this really like 
this uh, corporate communal expression of Christ through the body right now in this season that I'm really thankful for. I, I really feel like um, almost like a child in some ways in the way that God's been doing things. Um, almost that like anticipatory, what's he going to do next? Seeing it in people, kind of seeing people travel through this pandemic and actually come out in ways that are more fruitful than before. And so I just want to talk for a second about our current moment. Um, our current moment is it seems like we're coming out of a pandemic. And you can tell that just weekly when our body, it seems like more and more of our people are present, more people are vaccinated, more people are showing up, more people are willing to participate. And I get this sense that soon, you know, I've watched two official Braves games and that sounds silly, but that is, that, that to me was like, this is, this is almost like it was. And so, so my, my check and my hope that I continue to feel is that the pandemic was an invitation into some deeper things that needed to happen. And I don't mean that in the ways of which people are sick and dying. I mean that in the ways of having to confront the things underneath the surface of our lives. And so I have this table at my house outside that this time last year, because we were just in our house and we knew we weren't going out. And I had just spent $700 at Costco. I bought a bunch of meat and, and a bag of rice that's as big as me. I don't even know. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> but I remember I, this season last year, I took apart an old picnic table, one that you had, Alita had showed us, and I started building furniture. I, got, I just started building stuff. I, didn't, I don't know how to build a table at all. I almost brought it today, but it was too heavy, and it's tiny. But I pass this table every day. And one of the legs is literally like this. So if you want to set a drink on it, you have to be like, you have to strategically. But I'm reminded every day when I pass that, that came out of, that came out of the kind of creativity and the kind of like aloneness. And so I'm reminded every day of this gift of the pandemic, which according to Alice, who was at our house this week, she says a beautiful table. She was lying. So it's not a beautiful table. So that was a gift that came, a garden came. I, I, we, we, we built a garden, it was fruitful. The crowd has stole a bunch of our tomatoes um, multiple times. So, and we learned a lot and we're probably gonna expand our garden this year even bigger. And these are gifts from the pandemic, but the biggest gift I felt was this invitation by God to recognize where we actually are as the people of God. And are we actually fruitful? Are we, are we going deeper into the life of Christ or are we just continuing in this rhythm of maybe brokenness? almost like the, the children of God in Egypt, to just kind of existing, hoping for more. And I, I have this check in my spirit to remind you to push pause and to recognize the gifts that were given to you in the pandemic. Some of you learned more about Jesus and yourselves than at any other time in your life. Some of you struggled more than at any other time in your life and had to form new tools for a new way to be alive. Don't put those tools in the tool shed. Carry those into the next season. I believe it was purposeful. For me, it was equipping the saints for our church that it wouldn't be okay anymore to just have people gather in a sanctuary. And I love the gathering of the community more than most people. When people talk about how they don't think the church is necessary, a lot of times I'm like, why would you even want to not gather with the saints? I love that part. But what I, would, what I need to see is what God gave me last year is seeing actual people grow into the life of Christ where it looks like there is a follower of Christ that is growing. Oh, that, that is my desire. And I don't want that table, so to say, to be burned or thrown away as we come back into life and the Braves start opening up and the Hawks start opening up and schools start opening up. And just this past week, all of the regulations from, from our governor were taken away. You can gather whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can gather over 50. All of these things, I don't want to act like nothing happened because that would not be good. Can we agree to that? Even as we open up as a body, that we would be smart and wise and not just be like, yeah, the virus never happened. No, it happened. It's still happening. I mean, people are still getting the virus. And so you'll notice in here, we'll make slow decisions. There's more people in here now. We're still going to make slow decisions. And so walk with us in that. But I want to start today by talking about, I already started. I always say that. I start like 11 times. So last week was Easter, and if you just put yourself back in this story, the disciples after last week are now a week into resurrection, but still not understanding. Listen to what I just said. Resurrection happened seven days ago. 
the cluster of people God would use to change the world still have no idea what to do. So there's a time period. In the text in the lectionary today, Thomas the doubter is confronted by Jesus. But I'm not going to start there. I want to start with what happens after Easter. Throughout the centuries, it's been a season for the church to take people who have been baptized, because a lot of times it happens on Easter, into a deeper level of commitment to Christ with questions like, what does it mean now that I'm a follower? What does that look like? And so... This season for us is the same thing. What does it mean now that I've experienced resurrection? How does that play out in my life? I want to start by reading a passage from the lectionary today. This is a psalm, Psalm 133. It's a psalm of ascent, which means they would sing it as they were going into together a festival. And it would build faith. And they would remember, oh, this was a great city at one time. And they would all sing these songs. It's almost like... I, I, as I read this, I was like, I really, I would, I would enjoy that. Like if we had that kind of cultural thing that we just did. We just sang together into places and it was not a big deal and it wasn't, you weren't too cool. You just sang together. And this is one that they would sing. And it says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Ermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commended the blessing life evermore. So, so, so unity is like these things. Is that, is that good? Just like real honestly, are these things good? I know that we like agree that they're good because we have some kind of understanding biblically that this is probably good, but, but, but what? Like, is it good if someone pours oil all over you and it drips through your beard? <laughs> Just me experiencing that is not something... I know it's related to, like, you know, like the, the priestly understanding, but this to me... So I think what I would have expected here about unity would have been something like, it's good to dwell together because unity, it unites. They're talking about things that are incredibly messy, Right? The kind of messy that as soon as that's done happening to me, I'm going home to change. Right? I can't even grow a beard. This would be a perfect like hipster passage. Like this probably inspired a lot of the beard movements today. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've used oil for your beard. Right? See what I'm saying? It was biblical. It's all biblical. You don't even know it. You're anointed. These things point to a couple things that you need to know. Unity is what the Ephesians have been being taught by Paul, and we're going to step into that in a moment. But this passage is talking about the nature and character of unity. That's different. So this passage talks about dew that is surfacing at a mountain in an area that it rarely happens. So this is actually a rare occasion for this dew to surface. And the dew surfaces, and the, the, the mountain and the lush greenery of the mountain is fed and can live. So there's life. So unity is like life that comes rarely, and it's also messy and extravagant and not easily confined. So unity looks like the sloppiness of beard oil dripping all over. I love this because anyone who knows anything about unity or people that truly want to unite together knows that there's no way to get there. That's, they're not passing around beard oil and like, everybody smell this beard oil. Let's unify. No. Unity is messy. And in the book of Ephesians, we've been, we've been traveling through four chapters. And the whole book seems to be about the unity of a body built around the cornerstone of Christ. Not, don't, don't, don't hear me say that unity is great, because unity can be around things that aren't amazing. You can unify around things that you dislike, right? You can unify around people you dislike. But unity around Christ, it embodies a nature that's not typical to our nature, it embodies a new nature that's really only accessible through the Spirit of God, through Jesus and resurrection. So this unity is built around the character of Christ, and it comes from this passage that I'm going to read you now. This is Ephesians 4, 17 through 52. 
Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned in Christ. This is the kind of passage when I was young, if I would have heard it, I'd be like, this is this is about to be impossible. All of those things are all the things that I do. That's all the things I want. This is not talking about not doing those things. So I'll explain that in a minute. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on this new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. So be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. How many times have we heard that? In marriages especially. And we've never been angry, so we don't even have to practice that. Actually, I think we were angry yesterday. Were we? Probably. I think we were. Did it go down or did we fix it? Is it still existent? <laughs> and give no opportunity to the devil. This is, this is interesting. So let the thief no longer steal. What? Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work. But that's not the goal. Just labor and honest work with his own hands so that he may give something to share to anyone in need. I can stop right there and preach. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators. I don't love that word there, but I like that it's challenging me. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love or live in love, as some texts say, translations, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus, we pray that you would just allow this to land squarely as an invitation into this new life that you're forming in us. In your name we pray, amen. So Paul desires to equip these people, and he reminds them of their baptism. Did you know that when people were baptized in the first centuries, they would actually stand up and face the West, and they would verbally renounce the powers of darkness? And then they would, I don't know if that's West. Is that West? That's, that way's West. For this, for this illustration, that's going to be West. That's going to be East. So as soon as they would do that, then they would turn to the east and they would, at sunrise, proclaim allegiance to Christ as the light of the world. And then they would strip down all of their old clothes and they would put on new clothes of adoption in Christ Jesus and be invited into the family of God. And then they would be invited in. So Paul is using this language here as a reminder of their baptism. Who remembers their baptism in here? Seven of y'all better. Okay. Because you got it last week. He's reminding them of baptism. Within baptism, you're a new creation created in Christ Jesus. You are now a part of the family of God as equal rights, beloved children of God, right? You have access to all of it. Also, you have to deal with this new community, which is human beings. He, it wasn't meant like Martin Luther, even his gifts were great, but it wasn't meant to just be studied on our own, right? It was meant for community. So this was an invitation into community. And so this becomes a conversation about what it looks like for a community to be centered around Christ. And it gives some ideas that instantly make you think he's telling you a bunch of things to not do. Don't be angry. Okay. I won't be angry. I'll just be quiet. 
What does anger do? Anyway, anger is a, a massive path towards division, especially if it's not discussed. So anger isn't bad unless you let the what go down on it. Ooh. And then you're evil. No. And then you just need to next, the next day talk about it. So anger is a pathway, and it's also a thing that cl- it clouds our mind and judgment and makes us susceptible to the enemy's attack to where we can't really see truth. And I'm not just talking about God is God truth. I'm talking about Shannon's actually a good person. Sometimes that truth is hard to be seen. If anger takes roots... To be a thief in the community, it's so confusing that that's listed. To be a thief. Why would you mention that? Because you don't steal from God. No, that's not what he's saying. What happens when thievery is that the person who might take possession was in a position to receive blessing from the community. When you're in need and you take, you actually grieve the Holy Spirit's desire to actually bless you into the things. So being a thief in the community isn't about don't be thieves as much about when there are needs, the body surrounds it and there's transparency. I don't have what I need to pay my bills. I don't have what I need to continue to work. Mentally, I am done. Like my mental depression, all of it. When you steal the things that are not truly yours, put on a face even. Maybe the face is your theft. Maybe you're fine. You're not. When you do that, the body cannot surround you like it was intended to. So don't let there be thievery because how can the body operate in blessedness and giving when that happens? So it's not even about finding the people that are stealing. It's about recognizing those that steal are those in the most need. Oh, that's such a turn the tables on us, right? Don't let any evil speak come out of your mouth. I think I've heard a thousand sermons on this. But a couple things about our language. Language is creative. Language actually builds and destroys. Language can create things. That's why poets are so needed right now, songwriters. That's why we need art, because language and the expression of it can do such good things, but it can also do such harmful things things and we're so good at that naturally you see it in children even at a young age I see it around our table my kids are perfect you're here you're not out there so I'm not going to say much more about this ours are good I don't know about y'all's but it's there it's the natural but this text is not saying for community just don't do that stuff it's saying there's actually a new life such a redemptive and robust life that it creates the atmosphere of the kingdom. These are things like truth-telling, speak the truth in love. For me to speak the truth in love to you about where I'm actually at, not just that Jesus is Lord, is for me to help build authentic community. For me to not truth-tell and speak truth about where you are, I am, we are, is to have an impossibility of authentic community. Right? That's why you can't just memorize five things in the church and be all good. It's not like that. It takes authentic community to recognize where I actually am, where you actually are, what things are hidden, right? Second thing, right? Like the idea for Luke in the book of Acts is that the most, maybe the deepest form of discipleship and realizing who we are is that no one would have a need. The idea that the community of God operates in such generosity, generosity, operates in such generosity that it becomes known for that is so important to the kingdom. And this doesn't look just like creating an experience on a Sunday that makes you feel like you're a part of a five-star hotel. It's not that. That's more businessy. It's the kind of people that are generous with their lives, their tables. It's the kind of people that when a need is presented, I would, how would we not meet that need? How would we not meet that need, right? Evil speak, evil talk, to speak good of a brother and sister, to speak truth and life, to encourage and edify. I mean, I'm an Enneagram 3. When you give me a compliment inside, I'm like a parade is happening. You don't see it. I'm like, no, but I'm like, whoa. When you compliment, when you build one another up with actual words of what's really there, the kingdom, this is, this is the kingdom. Now, I want to read you um, something that I was supposed to read about uh, five minutes ago. 
but I just want to read it at this point. So I'm going to read it to you. This talks about the hospitality even mentioned in that psalm passage. And it says this. The extended meaning of God's designated place of blessing is this. God's blessing resides wherever such unified, caring community exists. And what is this blessing? It is life, life unto eternity. Seriously. This psalm, I'm going to have to start over, so forgive me. This celebrates the value of hospitality as the way to unity. Now I'm correct. Hospitality creates a place where we are connected to one another. It is a place of respect, acceptance, friendship. It offers attentive listening and mutual sharing of lives and stories. Hospitality is related to human dignity. The theological basis for dignity and respect is that the image of God is found in every single person. We are made for others, and we depend on others. We sympathize with the needs and suffering of others because we have a common bond. To become insensitive denies our true nature, for it denies the image of God in ourselves and others. Hospitality is a recognition that involves respecting the image of God in others and seeing their potential contributions as being equal value to ours. Valuing is the utmost importance, for when persons are not valued, they become socially invisible. I feel like we just need to listen right here. When persons are not valued, they become socially invisible, and their needs and concerns are not acknowledged. Therein lies the roots of social injustice and suffering. When we resist devaluing others, we witness to the importance of the transcending sociocultural boundaries that are exclusive. This practice also helps us to resist the temptation of doing mission work from a distance. Dropping, just dropping grenades left and right, this Elizabeth Frazier. One can see how eventually this leads to blessing of life forevermore. The psalm invites us to a spiritual worship where our commitment to God is enacted through love for our neighbor in the form of devotion. Devotion is the act of giving oneself for another person, purpose, or service. Devotion helps us to see the invisible God and the people visible to God, but made invisible by injustices. Just dropping grenades. That's all she's doing. The fruit of such worship is solidarity. This solidarity characterizes our priesthood. It brings with it the privilege of being broken, the privilege of the cross. It was Jesus' compassion that caused the power of healing and of resurrection to be released on behalf of others. It is the practice of our hospitality and unity as a work of compassion that brings life where there is death. That is good. Hospitality, dignity, the way of the kingdom. This is what Paul is trying to invite this community into, and he knows it's hard. I want to read you really quickly a passage from the book of Acts, and then I'm going to kind of wrap this up. This is Acts 4, 32 through 35. This is also within the lectionary this week. And I'm going to read it to you. Just let it land, okay? Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands, raise your hand if you own land, (laughs) we're going to pass around an offering bucket for land, (laughs) just kidding, or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Can I get an amen? Here's the thing with this, like we read this and realistically we're like, well, they were trusting them that much. All you have to do is look through the religious section of the newspapers to realize the kind of brokenness involved in our leadership and the kind of humility God's trying to bring into it. But this doesn't seem real. Is this a goal we should have? Should we make it our effort to bring all that we have? Or is this about something else? Is this about what happens when resurrection is present? Is this about... What happens when a group of people realize the impact of what happened a week before now being realized individually? Is this the kind of thing that can come from that? Yes, it is. And I'm not boxing anything God can do in because he did this here and this is impossible. 
when resurrection, when resurrection and the life of Christ becomes the center of what we celebrate, we don't get to say God can't do it because I promise you he can do it, whatever it is. He can make people preach with power. He can make a whole city listen to people preaching with power. Listen to the grace in Acts. People are not only hearing somebody preach with power, they're receiving it and being like, yeah, I want that. People are seeing wonders and miracles because people have centered their life on Christ. This is the kind of new life that comes out of a people who have their life centered on Christ. We don't go after doing what they did. I'm not asking you guys to give me your land. I'll come to your house and hang out. You don't need to do that. I would much rather see what God does through our group of people that are focused and centered around Christ because we're not them. And we don't need to romanticize the church in Acts. We're not about to do that. We have a TV they didn't. They, their TV was listening. Oh, beautiful story. Ooh. Like that was TV. We got too much. Jesus is going to do it in ways that make sense but don't make sense. It's going to seem impossible still, but it's not going to not include being centered around Jesus. It's got to be that. I don't really want the kingdom without the king. I don't want that. I don't want to make my ministry about a thing the king wants as opposed to making it about the king and he gets to do through me whatever he wants. Because then those things permeate a city that actually makes sense to the city. And people are like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. I want that. But it doesn't exclude the power of the story of these people in the city. How were people being invited in? Who's seen The Chosen? I, don't, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's good. It's all right. I, I cry every time, every single time, right? The stories that they were telling of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit transforming people into the light of Christ, not just the power of the Holy Spirit doing that. The Holy Spirit is always drawing people to where? To Jesus. Because where's the power? The resurrection and Jesus bringing light to the light of the world, the Holy Spirit is still doing the same thing. He is wooing and inviting each of us in where we are, passing along. Here's where you actually are, Jonathan. Will you be enamored enough to allow me to draw you into this new life? Or will you choose, like many did, to go back to Egypt? You know, Because baptism was taken from this idea of the Israelites traveling through, in Joshua 4, this river. And the idea was that once they got through that river, don't look back. Don't go back there. Yeah, you knew some things that were in place there, but don't go back there. This new life in Christ is this way, but it involves bravery, risk, right? This community in Acts, it's not that the goal was to not have anyone in need. The goal was the gospel of Jesus. And because they were so about this goal, they started to lose economic privilege. They couldn't buy and sell. So it was an outpouring of what God was doing that created a scenario that had lack. And they were like, how would we not care for brother and sister? We're going after this together. You're not going to have need. The goal isn't just to not have need. The goal is centered around Christ, whatever surfaces, brother, sister, step in. You're not going to struggle. You're going to struggle, but not in the ways you think. The community is going to surround you. And so... Today I want to do a really quick, but not really, I just want to let people share just for a moment. And so the stories of Jesus and the resurrection power of Jesus are how people are drawn into this, how it becomes real. And the places that he speaks into look like graveyards. They look like graveyards, they turn into gardens, God begins to grow, it's a seed in the ground, it's not a quick, everything's changed forever, don't have to worry about it anymore. It's growth from there, fostering community, connection in the Spirit. And so just for the next few moments, if you're somebody who was either baptized, was a part of prayer week or Easter, and would like to just share about Jesus and how you've seen the transforming power of the Spirit, we're going to give you space right here. But we would appreciate it if you didn't preach another message. Just share your story, and then we'll move along. And I will, I will, I'll stay near, just in case somebody does something really crazy. Okay?
Everybody read the uh, five love languages? Everybody familiar with that? My two love languages are quality time and touch. So the pandemic has sucked for me. Um, Easter. It was a busy day. It was a hectic day. I have a lot of children. Most of the children in the church belong to me, if you didn't know that. Um, anyway, it was great to be outside. At some point, uh, a brother named Jameson, who we don't see much of because, again, pandemic, uh, who I love very much, um, just out of nowhere, grabbed me, and he hugged me. And I hugged him like I had never hugged another human in all my life. And if you didn't know Jameson, he's about the same size as me. There's a reason they hang meat in cold places. So the two of us outside hugging, we started sweating out of our eyes. That's what I'll call it. <laughs> but he grabbed me and he said, man, this feels so good. I didn't know how empty my bucket was. And he's looking, I look at all these people, and I've missed them, and I've missed this, and I've missed you. And so I grabbed him again, and I hugged him, and we both laughed, and we cried, and we sweated, and sweated, and sweated. <laughs> but I just want you to know that, like, there's hope, right? That hug, man, I, I had been praying, like, where is Jameson, man? I miss my friend. And there he was on Easter, and he, he held me, and I held him. And I felt good for the rest of that day. And this was the rough week after that. And so I think that was a blessing from Jesus that I felt noticed and wanted and loved and desired to get through one of the hardest weeks of my life. So there you go. Okay, first, I want to thank everybody. Um, sorry if I cry, but um, after I got baptized and I got home and read all my letters from everybody, it was like love I hadn't felt. And I was like brought in the church by Mariah and my grandparents, and it meant so much for them to like be there and baptize me and just be surrounded by love and just know like when I come here, people are like, oh yeah, you're Sierra, right? Hey. It makes you feel so good because for a year and a half, I just was um, like suffering with addiction. And it was taking me a really long time to deal with it because I wasn't saying anything to anybody. So I could be in your face 365 days a year and you would never know. And it was like, I'm a family person, so I would be around my family and Nobody would know, and I would just go home and deal with these things by myself. And um, I would always tell Mariah, like, hey, I just need you to pray for me really quick because, like, I know deep down inside how I was raised. And I know that Jesus loves me. And I know, like, I would come here and just listen to you guys sing and listen to you guys preaching, and it would just be like I couldn't even listen without crying. I couldn't show up. I couldn't walk through the door without crying. And now I can stand up here and just tell you guys, like, I thank you guys so much for that. Like, it it really meant so much. Like, I'm getting all of the notes framed for my house. Like, it's just going to be one big thing. But, like, it meant so much. And I feel like I'm a stronger person. And, like, I, I felt like, yeah, I, I got washed away that day. And as soon as I walked away, everybody's hands were on me and just were praying, thank you. And um, <laughs> and I just, you know, I really appreciate it. And that was mainly what I wanted to tell everybody was that I was so thankful. And I think I prayed, like, every single day. Like, I work in a cubicle, and for, like, 10 minutes of my day, I'm, like, on my knees at my cubicle just like, I have to do it every day. And I just, like, I'm excited to see what it's going to bring for me. But um, I am definitely working as hard as possible. And I just, like, you know, I do appreciate it. We appreciate you.
Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, so yesterday, Micah, he told me about what I said during my, um, before I got baptized, and I told him I don't even remember saying any of that. <laughs> so it was all pretty much new news to me, but um, he, he told me that I mentioned being supernaturally healed, and um, I just want to say that that was actually all of you guys. It, it was God, but it was God through all of you. Um, I was also brought here by Mariah, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like preach just like a tiny bit, but just like not that much. Um, but I too uh, came from addiction, and um, I really wanted it to, to help me in the ways that I didn't even know that God could help me. Um, I honestly just was not aware, and it was a really difficult time coming out of it because I spent time um, being institutionalized because of my addiction. And it was in that place that I saw um, spiritual warfare being taken place, people that were part of the Illuminati, and it was just like really heavy. Um, and every single night I slept with the Bible, every single night I, I spoke Psalm 91, and it's still the, the only verse that really brings me peace at the end of the day. And um, what happened was when I came out and I remember coming, starting to come here a little bit more. And um, the point of what I'm saying is that every single day that I came and I was with you guys, I was being washed, I was being cleansed. And um, when the baptism ha happened, I, I wasn't really expecting doves or anything to like start flying over me. But um, I was telling Micah that I, I didn't really feel too much of a difference. And it's because everything that you guys have done, like that was... It was already happening through me. Everything that I had wanted to experience, um, it wasn't going to be a huge moment because he is always with me. He, he was always working through me, and he was always cleansing me uh, through all of you guys here. And so, um, uh, yeah, I just, I just want to say thank you for all of your hearts. Um, thank you, Josh, um, for just welcoming me and just in all the ways that you guys work through him that you guys are clean, cleansing each other and cleansing everyone that gets to experience us. So thank you. Sure, it's on. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's good to breathe again. Smell. Oh God. Okay. Uh, so for those of you that don't know me, uh, which is a lot, <laughs> Easter kind of brought a memory that I kind of had blocked in the back of my head. So I started this weight loss journey in April of 2013. I was like 410 pounds. My doctor was like. For someone your age, like, you might not get to see another year if you keep going. And I was like, wow. I was like, not every day, you know, you're 28, 29, and your doctor tells you you're going to have a heart attack soon. So <laughs> I, I started my weight loss journey, and I was kind of embarrassed on that Easter Sunday to even show up because I was like, oh, I felt so terrible. Like, And so I come to you now. 220 pounds, three shirt sizes. Three shirt sizes and four waists. And when I came home from Easter, I was kind of a little bit sad because I was like, oh, this pandemic. And then I looked at my closet and I was like, huh, look at all these shirt sizes down. I feel good about myself. And so I came... And I was like, ooh, where's the gut? I don't know. Maybe my roommate has it. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we had lunch, and he was looking at my order, and he was like, you're really treating yourself. I was like, yeah, I had some, uh, what was it, sesame seed chicken, fried rice, large fried rice. But uh, <laughs> as you can see, the large didn't do much. But, 
But uh, I, I, I feel good, and you know, I'm just trying to keep the momentum because it's been really hard in the pandemic. So uh, that's that's what I want to say. Hey y'all, happy Sunday. Um, well, I wasn't here last Sunday, which I'm bummed out because it sounds like I really missed out, but I was here the last past seven, eight years of Sundays. Two years ago, I was baptized here. And one of the reasons I wanted to share is Josh's remark about graves being turned into gardens. Any of you that have ever grown a garden knows it doesn't happen overnight. And so instead of being with you all this past Sunday, I was in Dominican Republic pre-gaming with my son for his last spring break as a high school student. And we went windsurfing, ate like gluttons, and hung out on the beach. Um, but the whole time I was in awe that my 18-year-old still wanted to hang out with his old man. And so I left him with his buddies and met my flew back to Atlanta and met my 15-year-olds, and we flew to Gulfport, Mississippi for their spring break. And caught a slew of fish and flew a kite and drove some stupidly ridiculous go-karts and just had a great time. And the reason I wanted to share that during this time is 10 years ago, I was separated from my kids and my garden, as my family would have it, um, was just wiped out. And I could never imagine God restoring that. And my, the cry of my heart was that God would, rest, our Father would restore the hearts of my children to their father, and they would restore my heart to my children. And I got to see a glimpse of the goodness of God in the land of the living and him answering those prayers this past Easter. And I'm so excited to testify and share that with all of you. And part of that gift was when I flew back to Atlanta, picked up my twins to take them to Gulfport, I ran into Ryan Witzer, how do you say his last name? White, sir. I know he's online. Give him a shout out. He and his bride. He came up to me, and I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying, yes, and this is through the prayers, the effectual prayers of your River City family. So there you have it. Praise Jesus. share, but I felt like I need to say this. I know that small things matter. Um, people don't really say that a lot, but I know that they do. And I want to say that before prayer week, I had been struggling so much inside um, and just bearing so much inside of me. I don't share a lot about myself, but I felt like God was pushing me up here. Walking into prayer week, I was walking through the stations and I was just holding back tears and I felt so much weight on my shoulders. And I got to the last room and I was just sitting there and I just felt peace for the first time in three weeks. And um, I felt like crying and I was just so happy. I felt God's presence and um, I've just never been this happy and I've, I'm still struggling, but I'm not as bad as I was four weeks ago. So. It's an awkward space, isn't it? Uh, Daniel, I'm cool with you borrowing my calves and arms, but I do need them back at some point. So, okay. Anybody else want to come? All right, if you'll stand with me to your feet, we're going to sing the doxology together. Father, Son, and Holy 
Father, I pray that you would be with us. You would bless us, make your face to shine upon us. Help us to be a blessing to our city, our families. Help us to notice the graveyards around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friday night, RCC night. Love to have you come hang out. Bless you guys. Love y'all. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.